Hello, hello, my dear audience. I'm Peter Resnick, and welcome to the Dr. Peter Resnick's Toolbox. Uh, well, something came to my mind. I have to say, ladies and gentlemen, I think even calling you an audience is no longer correct. That implies that I speak and you listen. But to my delight, it's no longer accurate. Many of you are now participants in a dialogue, something I have been trying to initiate for the last two years. I had those wonderful callers. I remember Gina and Carol and Gwen and Tina and Noel and Lee and Ellie and Gary and Jay and so many who wrote emails to me from many different countries with comments and questions. Thank you all for participating in this ongoing dialogue about life. Uh, my comment is, uh, that's what I was, that's what I was hoping for, for so long, because the intention was uh, to sh not only to share with you all the tools that I acquired over a period of 40 years of my practice to enhance the quality of your life, but also to invite uh, different specialists in healing arts uh, so they could share with you their knowledge. And as always, you're welcome even today, uh, though I have a, a guest today, you're always call, uh, welcome to call with your questions and comments. You know it's, it's the best thing that can happen during this show. And the number is 888-874-4888. Again, 888-874-4888. As I told you last week, uh, excuse me, I think I received a text, I believe. Uh, oh, wow, that's wonderful. I, I'm getting, I believe I'm getting uh, in, uh, calls today. Or maybe this is from the last show. I'm sorry, I'm not so... Um, so, so much of an expert in this uh, technology. Um, but I think there are two people waiting. No, I think it's from the last, the last show, two people called. Okay, anyway, last week I told you that today I will have a special guest, and indeed I have a special guest that some of you may know through his books, through his podcasts, or by listening uh, to my show, because I already had him here as a guest two times. He's the author of what I believe uh, is four books, uh, though I'm familiar with only three and one uh, on sports I only started reading. Uh, the last two books, uh, I believe, are invaluable. If one is to attempt to understand and utilize and or protect oneself from contemporary healthcare. 
My guest today is Robert Yocha, ladies and gentlemen. We spoke about his two books, Butchered by Medicine. He's a medical doctor, by the way. We'll ask, I will ask him to talk a little bit about himself before we talk about the third book. But we spoke already about Butchered by Medicine and another book, Hormone Secrets, Treatments for Cancer, Diabetes, Healthcare, Alzheimer's, Depression, and Impotence that Work and Why You Are Not Told. But Robert's third book is about something else. Uh, the book is over 400 pages and covers a number of issues that not only the United States is facing, but the whole world. Let me first uh, introduce my guest to you, and then I will talk about a little bit about the book before uh, I will let him uh, talk, uh, take over. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Robert Yocho. Robert, are you there? Yes, I am, Peter, and I appreciate it. I appreciate uh, getting exposed to your audience again, and we're all colleagues here, so we can first name each other. Okay. Robert, for some reason, I don't see you. That's why I was doubting if you were there. <laughs> but I'm, I'm on my cell phone. I couldn't seem to get hooked up on the computer. Oh, okay. Is the audio, so, is the audio okay on your end? Yeah, yeah. Everything works perfectly. Just, okay. you know, in the past, I could see you. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you a couple of words before, again, um, Robert will take over. Uh, the, the book is fascinating. The, the name, uh, the title of the third book is Cassandra's Memos. And Robert covers a number of issues, uh, like uh, uh, issue of COVID and vaccination, prescription drugs, psychiatry, uh, issues of transgender um, and climate change. But by now, there is an, quite an impressive group of people who speak about the, the, these issues that I mentioned. And Robert, of course, in, brings uh, his own perspective on the issue and uh, talks, he talks and, and many other people talk about this great, uh, I cannot even call it conspiracy because it's a plan. Uh, the plan that is not hidden, the people who have this plan are not hiding and, and speak about it openly, uh, that involves the World Health Organization, the United States Drug Administration, Food and Drug Administration, United States Center for Disease Control. It, it, the issue is of money and COVID and world politics, all, all centered, having all one intention from my understanding and that is to control population not just of this country but the whole world but the, what is interesting to me about this book that robert wrote is many authors talk about these issues but nobody yet wrote clearly about people who are interested in doing this control of the world uh, if not depopulation of the world, because it's it's way 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 more complex uh, uh, of an issue. But nobody spoke about personalities of those people, and Robert dares to talk 
about these people and he, that he calls psychopaths. Uh, and psychopathy, it used to be a, a diagnostic criteria, but now it's called antisocial personality disorder. And uh, I will not talk about the clinical definition about uh, of so and, um, antisocial personality disorder. I will let Robert talk about it. But that, Robert, that would be my main interest, uh, though you are welcome to um, talk about whatever part of your book you want. You can cover each chapter or, or a few chapters, but I'm sharing with you with my personal interest, uh, because for anything, it's my field, uh, psychology. But first, Robert, if you don't mind, would you uh, introduce yourself to those just in case of some people don't know you yet say a little bit about yourself your interests how you got yourself involved in all these things of fighting for freedom of the world well peter uh don't i don't want your listeners to overestimate my importance uh, and let me just do the 30-second disclaimer. This is not medical care. If you have medical problems, you have to go see a licensed practitioner. I am retired and don't, don't do any medical care and use this information at your own risk. Sorry about that. Um, but let me just introduce myself and how I kind of came around to this thing. I had a, you know, I had a long, I'm 69, and I had a, uh, a great career. It was, uh, you know, I did cosmetic surgery the last 35 years or 40 years of it, and um, it, it had its satisfactions. I think that people overestimate the glamour and the money, <laughs> but but it had its satisfaction. It was relatively independent, and I became a modern-day Rip Van Winkle. I woke up about five years ago and realized I was looking around at this, a very barren landscape. I, it was like virtual reality glasses were ripped off my head. And uh, I, things seemed so far gone that everything seemed lost. You've got these enormously wealthy players who were pressing perverse agendas and destroying our Constitution. And uh, the culture was shockingly degraded. We had all these crazy ideologies, such as all this sexual confusion and bizarre, divisive racial theories. And I, I thought before that these were like juvenile bad jokes confined to college campuses. But I realized that um, they captured the left wing, the media, and most academics, and that corporations were cynically complying. And there were institutions that I previously respected, like hospitals, that had sort of turned predatory and lost all regard for human life. So I soon realized that petting a rabbit dog would not work, and we had to fight. So by now, I've been swimming through this mess for several years. And my origin story is that I started out that I was only really interested in bioidentical hormones. But I, as I studied that, I realized and Big Pharma had conspired together to put what, what is called box warnings on these drugs that claim they cause cancer and heart disease and blood clotting, which none of it was true. I mean, it was just crazy. So I started looking at that, and then I started looking more into um, general medical corruption, and I eventually wrote my two books, Hormone Secrets and Butchered by Healthcare. And Butchered by Healthcare seems like it's a minor viral hit now after – three years or two and a half years of promoting it. Um, and I finished those at about the time that I retired, almost three years ago. And then I started doing podcasts, and I ended up with you and Dr. Peter Bregan. And 
Bregan uh, wasn't real nice to me. <laughs> he, he sort of jerked me into awareness of COVID. And so for nearly the last two years, I've been studying COVID. And, I mean, it's brutal. I, they're basically, uh, there are these evil forces that are battering our institutions and actively trying to destroy America. And so there seems to be nobody in charge. And I learned Plato's quote, one of the penalties of refusing to participate in politics is that you end up being governed by your inferiors. And I was learning it the hard way. Um, so that that's sort of my origin story. I've been writing and podcasting, and uh, I just wrote another book, which is a summary. It's a compendium, a compendium of the writing from the last year. And it's a summary of some of the best minds and some of my synthesis and interpretations, and it's called Cassandra's Memo, COVID and the Global Psychopaths. And as Peter notes, uh, psychopaths has a technical meaning in psychology, but uh, my respect for psychiatry and psychology is minimal, and they use a cornucopia of other terms to describe these entities, right? They call them uh, borderline personality disorders, and uh, and you don't want to confuse psychopath with psychotic, which means crazy. And these people aren't crazy. They just lack a normal operating system of morals and duty to other people. And they perform in criminal ways, sometimes subtly and sometimes less subtly. The less, the less functional um, of this species, I call them, uh, ends up in prison and they get studied forensically. And, of course, the, lar- the, the large-scale examination that we had uh, was, uh, you know, uh, Nuremberg. And uh, Nuremberg, we got to study some of these higher functional ones uh, at close range and uh, put some, heard some of them into the, like, ins- the justice system's insect killing jar, is what, what I call it, where, the, where a lot of these people belong. And the people who are running the show now, and I'm not shy about calling them, them conspirators, the people who are running the show have committed many capital crimes. They know that if they were ever brought to justice, they would face lifetime imprisonment at a minimum. Uh, but uh, when you kill millions of people, uh, you're a mass murderer, and you should face a noose as far as I'm concerned. But whether whether this ever comes to pass is, you know, we can't predict the future. So uh, what I did, uh, Peter, was I developed a theory that is, seems to match all the available facts. And um, we have many, many, many things that are very confusing to normals. I mean, we've got this um, transgender thing. We've got normalizing pedophilia. They are debasing our currency. They're inflating our currency to embezzle our money. And that that's just accepted by the mainstream now. It's the most massive financial fraud in history. They're inciting war. It seems completely irrational. They've thrown open our borders to normies, you know, normal people like you and I. We just can't believe what we see, and we don't understand how it all fits together. But I'm going to try to fit it together for your listeners. And, you know, there are other things. I mean, there's federal money being used to incentivize doctors and hospitals to create huge fatality rates for COVID. And, I mean, they're the, the, the craziest thing of all, in my opinion, is this idea they have going that carbon is bad for the earth and global warming will be the end of us all. And that's become a false religion. And the scientific basis for that is not 
questionable. It's absolutely absurd. Um, the uh, carbon carbon dioxide is at a multi hundred million years low in our atmosphere now, and mammals survived with four times the carbon dioxide that we have now. We've seen a tiny uptick in it since the Industrial Revolution, but it's anything like a big poison. It's actually a fertilizer that makes the whole world green. And some of the theorists have argued that mankind has prevented world worldwide life extension by slightly increasing the carbon dioxide in the atmosphere because life is extinguished at something like 180 parts per million and we're at like 410 or something like that roughly parts per million there's a very tiny amount and this narrative that the carbon increases the temperature is absolutely the opposite of reality too so we're seeing all these all these lies and the question is why so let me allow just after setting forth that uh, those sets of premises, I'll let, let you ask me questions and I'll try to lead you where my uh, con conclusions went. Robert, uh, I, I know you, you quote Dr. Moore, who, who is a specialist on climate and um, who was a founder of Greenpeace and then changed his mind and actually started uh, like the whole debacle of the global warming idea. But what other scientists do you know who shared Dr. Moore's ideas? Because from what I know, well, in fact, okay, I had so a talk to up. my daughter, and, and yeah. she was saying, all scientists, it's a scientific yeah. fact that there is global warming and there is melting of ice caps and so on and so on. So there, there is a number of scientists that warn us that in, indeed there is global warming and, and rising of the sea level and so on. Uh, so what other scientists except Dr. Moore um, support Dr. Moore's ideas? Well, um, you know, there are 31,000 U.S. scientists and professionals signed a document repudiating that CO2 theory of climate change. And actually, that you know, Obama has a quote that he said, uh, you know, that all the all the scientists quote believe that global warming is real. Well, what he he got that off a website that was um, scientists who were funded by big industry, and the industry the industry default now is to promote this thing. And I think what we should do before we get into that detail, let's mm -hmm. just back off and discuss the the people who are promoting all these lies and you don't have to assume that that one's correct but surely your listeners understand that things like the transgender thing is a disaster and i'm going to tell you why all that stuff is being promoted and uh and uh so before we get into the, the weeds or the details of each one of these insane lies or insane narratives um let's just back up and chat about why we would be fed crock of nonsense from our media that's, and everyone that's, else. That's, right that's a very and good question. What is the interest? Uh, what is the interest of those you call psychopaths? And it's people who are really in power, who are behind, in fact, uh, presidents and prime ministers, who are kind of puppeteers. What What is the? I understand the money issue. I understand that the big banks would not finance. Uh, this buying of 
most expensive properties around Mediterranean and buying and building buildings in Florida, if they would really believe that there will be global warming and and flooding and so on. That's that's understandable. It's financial interest. But why would they be interested in this transgender story and uh, exactly. make yeah okay. So this, the answer to this is hidden in your knowledge about what a psychopath is. And a psychopath is not an ir- irrational individual. It's th- th- there are about 1% of people in the world who are sadistic, and they're not psychotic or crazy, but they, they don't have human ethics, and they do aggrandize money, but their primary interest is not... Um, is not just gathering power or money. Their primary interest is destroying everything around them. Now, I know that sounds crazy, but these people have been studied, you know, and, and there have been, uh, you know, uh, studies about them. And they're, you know, we have these large-scale studies such as the Nuremberg trial. And um, basically their agenda now, you know, their primary agenda is what, Peter? You, you know that, right? Overpopulation. Okay, so that makes no sense because the problem has already solved itself. Global birth rates are crashing, and we have demographics, which are study study of large numbers. They prove that our total worldwide population will peak and decline within a few decades. And we're we're pretty much feeding everyone well, and everyone's economic situation is gradually improving. improving. So overpopulation is not rational. It's a killing killing motive. Robert, these people are educated people, and they have the sa- access to the same data that you have. So they also understand the global uh, overpopulation is not a problem. So then, why do they? Why are they interested in reducing population of the world if if it's not okay. overpopulation? It's very, it's very. You're having. You're even though you're a trained psychologist, it's very hard for you to grasp motivations like this. And I hadn't studied it for a while before I got it. But these people are inhuman predators, and their their operating system tells them to incite war, to go around, destroy things. And what population control is, is it's a code word for killing people. And Gates is obviously an Asperger's. He's a perfect example. He's just absolutely crazy. His family is are their eugenicists from the time of his father. And they, they have a long history of, of supporting things like, uh, um, you know, Paul Ehrlich and the population bomb and all that nonsense. Uh, and they Gates himself sponsored eugenic drugs in Africa that killed fetuses, such as the, uh, the birth control shot and such as another shot, which was supposed to be a tetanus vaccine, but it was a permanent sterility drug, which was given every six months or every six months instead of every five years like a tetanus vaccine. So this is all done without consent. It was a huge experiment. Some of the African uh, gynecologists caught on and whistle blew on them. But um, but these people are eugenicists and you, you just can't imagine how it works. They you know, I read some of the primary literature about psychopaths or the new neutered phrase, of course, is sociopath. And these it's about one percent of people are hardcore psychopaths. They have no sense of other people at all. And they co-opt about 5% who support them. And then another 
10 or 15 percent are weak personalities that surround them and they're afraid or they, you know, for whatever reason. So you're seeing a small number who believe in all this stuff because they are predators and killers. And, uh, you know, if you think about the transgender thing, it limits reproduction. There are some areas in Arizona where they claim that um, a quarter of the kids now consider themselves transgender. So these people are not going to reproduce. They, they take... Uh, they, they take drugs that destroy their fertility, their ability to have orgasms, and their normal development. And um, just to review that quickly, to remind your listeners how crazy that is, 40% of transgenders attempt suicide, and they, they, they are encouraged by these social media uh, crazies with purple hair to start by, you know, the little girls start, start by binding their breasts, and that destroys their breast structure. And making it a little saggy, and then they are encouraged to take Lupron, which is a, 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 a puberty suppressor, and it's very toxic. It's used for prostate cancer. And the third thing is they encourage these little girls to take adult male doses of testosterone and get their, I mean, it really changes the way they look, and they never, they become neither fish nor fowl. They're not happy. You know, it's just one big misery fest uh, in this community. And the the global psychopaths are promoting all this. These people are not wealthy. They're not functional. They don't have money for advertising or anything else or, or linking the whole thing to gays and lesbians who mostly understand that they are not anything to do with transgenderism. And, you know, then this thing evolves into cutting the breasts off. And I interviewed one of my, my friends who got into this craziness and, uh, He's one of the uh, most uh, active breast cutter offers in the country, in the world. He does 50% of his time, he's knocking breasts off these little girls who are supposedly boys. And then they, some of them get reconstructed clitorises so they can urinate through their clitoris. And a pers- uh, some fraction of those get the whole area dies, and they essentially have had a, uh, a female uh, castration, you know, almost like a... Uh, Muslim castration, traditional Muslim castration that uh, turns the whole area into scar tissue. So get me back on track for what, what you want to talk about, Peter. But the, the bottom line with this stuff is these people are not really people. They are destructive influences and criminals, and it's a very adaptive thing for them to have these characteristics when they're in large organizations. And they tend to rise to the top of political political parties and corporations. Uh, Robert, you mentioned that 31,000 scientists signed the, whatever it's petition or document saying that they don't believe in global warming. Is, is it a document that people go could go and, and read? And that is, uh, some people yeah. will say, I'll doubt, is it Robert Yochus? Opinion? Is it no, no. she's the only person who came to such conclusions, or there is I, I never verifiable I have, data. Peter, I have three. I have one interview and two other reviews in my um, book here that have a, essentially an identical opinion to me about uh, the climate change stuff. And one is Patrick Moore, who was the head of Greenpeace, and he fell away from them when they started getting violent and crazy and irrational, and they confused 
the modern nuclear energy production with the bombs, right? And they didn't, they were unable to let go of that. And the modern nuclear energy production is exceedingly safe. Never in the Western hemisphere has there been a fatality from it. And the radiation that is produced from it is totally un, under control. They're very, they're very uh, predictable uh, reactors. Whereas the bombs, of course, probably should be abolished altogether. I mean, they should be. Uh, and they're, they're dangerous to the whole everyone um but they continue to confuse that stuff they they're violent they're also just seeking funding by scaring people and that's the whole thing behind the covid vaccine the covid uh, the covid uh, virus itself and all this stuff that we've been hearing about that just is so confusing but the common theme is that the people who are promoting this are promoting all this stuff together and they're psychopaths. They are attempting to decrease the population, and they, in fact, have are succeeding. And in Australia, for example, the real, the live birth rates in Taiwan, the live birth rates are down by a third. There are some horrible statistics coming out of Britain, and I may misquote this, but and these it's something are like uh, yeah, Israel. Israel is the most jabbed story in the place in the world, and there are parts of Eastern Europe that have jabbed um, counties and the other counties next to them they didn't didn't touch them and their their problem rate and their live birth rates are tremendously different so we thought that there were there were some uh, indications that the fertility had dropped off like you know they, they we got uh, you know there were some indications that the spike protein had um, gotten into the ovaries and the testicles and so on and so forth sperm counts are down stuff like that but the live birth rates are really their mankind's future, and these have dropped off phenomenally. And they're, they've dropped off so much that they could not have happened by chance alone. The chance against it happening by chance alone are one in trillions. So, um, and we, we've got over half of the globe um, stuck with this uh, horrible thing that has had many more fatalities, many more problems than the COVID itself. And uh, the people who've had COVID, who've had the vaccine are now dying far more often than the people that haven't from COVID. So every every exposure to the spike protein is injurious. And when you've had um, when you've had the uh, the vaccine exposures, you may have that stuff floating around your blood already. You get COVID and it kills you. You know. So I mean, all these stories, and we can. We can go into these uh, these these people that have uh, roasted the climate changers. I mean, the, the, you know, the the uh, the fraud that goes on in the climate change narrative is just beyond belief. And you guys, your listeners, can I, I'll send you a link so your listeners can download my book for free. I'm not a money making operation. Um, they can download this book for free. They can pass it around to their friends and. If they go back to that link, they'll get a later version because this thing, it's almost complete. Um, it's almost at its final editing stages. It's, the only thing that needs is a little more polishing. And if you guys have ever tried to write something that needed to be really good, you know that editing over and over really helps. And that's what I'm doing right now. I'm just I'm just polishing it. But the, the ideas are there and the order is there. And so anyone can read this and understand it now. Alex Epstein is very prominent. Um, they call him a climate denier, but he's uh, he's a really well 
a real well-studied, learned uh, guy who um, has written several books about this. Patrick Moore uh, got done with the second book. These books have a thousand plus five-star reviews on Amazon. And Ron, Ron Stein wrote an article for me, and he showed. You know, I took one of his articles from somewhere that he published it, and he's a local. He's local to LA, and he essentially has the same message that. Um, that this this whole thing is reality turned on its head. I mean, it's absolutely crazy. The 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 amount of temperature increase has been two degrees Celsius over something like six years, and it, it was not documented before that. We have we have exact or pretty good proxies or evidence for exactly what the CO two in the atmosphere was, um, and the uh, and the temperatures of the Earth were of was um, for hundreds of millions of years, and there's no correlation. I mean, I think the whole premise is an absolute lie and absolutely crazy. And it, these people know it. The psychopaths know it, and they're using the lie to intimidate us. And you've heard this term before, but let me introduce it right now. It's important for your listeners to understand it and know what they're hearing when they hear the word gaslighting. Gaslighting is a sociopathic or psychopathic technique to intimidate and confuse people around them. And the, the easiest way to, to know you're dealing with a psychopath or a sociopath is to watch them lie about almost anything. And, uh, you know, you, you know people like that, and I know people like that, and they may be psychopaths and they may not be. You have to judge them by the rest of their behavior. If they're very aggressive and they torment people around them and, uh, you know, their quasi-criminal behavior, that's what a psychopath is. And uh, so... Robert, you, you mentioned We've got a lot of stuff several times Patrick Moore, and I read his paper, uh, I think it was a presentation, in fact, to, uh, he testified in Congress. But I, I would like to hear, I, I did not come to the end of your book, you sent me the copy, and I'm on 10th chapter, uh, Who are the Great Reset Conspirators? So... Do you have in your book at the end, and I did not have an opportunity to look, uh, references where people could look and find other scientists, reputable scientists, supporting ideas of Patrick Moore? Because there, yeah, there, well, are sci- there must I've be got, scientists to, from around the world who studied the same issue. Can it be that they're all for sale except Patrick Moore? Well, as I said just a second ago, um, I have three different people I quote. Moore wrote two books. Alex Epstein wrote two books. Yes, Alex Epstein is not a scientist. He he reads like you and I uh, about uh, science, but, uh, uh, but he's not a scientist. I'm talking about scientists. From, from different countries in the world. Are you familiar with any works that support what you are saying? Well, let me address exactly what you're, you're saying, and that is that we should trust authority. Now, I think you may have heard that from a very famous fellow named Fauci. Now, my, my advice to your listeners is mm-hmm. reject authority and make your own conclusions based on your reading. And if you if you look at somebody's credentials, you're going to be looking at these doctors pretty quickly. And you know, you should know from reading Butchered by Healthcare that the entire medical literature has been ruined by money because all 85 or 90 percent of the money for research in medicine comes from three sources. The Wellcome Trust in Britain, 
the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and Fauci, who has distributed almost a trillion dollars worth of research funding during his career. And all these people, they are psychopaths who are dictating the terms of the money. And the, the literature has been ruined. Medical literature is gone. In fact, in the British Medical Journal, as you may recall me speaking about before, there was a editorial last year, and the editorial was entitled, Time to Assume that the Medical Literature is Fraudulent Until Proven Otherwise. And that's literally true. You cannot trust any of this stuff because the FDA, which gets 50% of its funding from pharma during the patent application process, they conspire with these big pharmaceutical companies to create fraudulent literature to sell drugs that don't necessarily work but can be patented and are very, very expensive. So I, I think that you're having trouble leaping to the idea that um, that the uh, – Ecological literature is fraudulent. Uh, is 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 uh, it's a little weak, Peter. I mean, you should understand this stuff because research is adulterated right now. It's ruined by these financial interests, and their interests now are in destroying things. And if you look around you, if if your American audience looks around them and they realize what's going on in Europe and Australia and Canada, they know that somebody's in charge who hates them. That's they're psychopaths. There's something very freaking strange going on. And just because maybe you live in Alabama and you don't wear a mask or don't seem to have any problems, that doesn't mean that there aren't horrible problems happening. And right now, anyone who denies that that there is control mechanisms by by uh, uh, criminals is has got his fingers firmly jammed in, in his ears. So uh, Moore is a top flight uh, credible credible source. If you want a source. Read his two books first, and let's let's just go into the things he debunks, just to give you ideas about more things that are absolutely, insanely turned on their head. Okay, there's this common narrative that there is a patch of plastic floating in the Pacific the size of Texas, right? But really, all the photographs, yes. you've heard that story. A lot of your listeners yeah. have probably heard that story. You know, it's horrible. Plastic Ocean was a movie that was made about it. But... It's absolute nonsense, and when you dissect it, you look at the photographs, and some of the photographs of this plastic island floating, supposedly floating in the middle of the Pacific, the size of Texas, have been post-tsunami photographs from Indonesia or other places that you could see the, the land in the background so you could identify where the photographs are from. You know, there's no there's no one that crosses the Pacific in a uh, container ship who's ever ever seen this thing. It's it's an invisible, a fake in, invisible catastrophe that was made up by these panic these panic mongers. Polar bear extinction. The polar bears have gotten so numerous that they're eating the Inuit Indians in, in a province of Canada. I mean, these Indians are complaining and wishing they could shoot a few of these darn things to get them out of their, uh, their uh, uh, houses. Um, there are many, many other narratives. And the, the carbon thing is, I mean, more strenuously debunks this along with these other authors. And uh, uh, the, the science is non-existent. And the, the people who are promoting it are purchased by these sources that want to promote, promote this narrative, this psychopathic narrative. Carbon is good for us. We should burn more of it. If we brought the CO2 up a little bit, now I'm not saying we should be careless and not contain our pollutants, 
But these are a small issue compared to turning reality on its head and claiming that carbon is the problem. It's ridiculous. There's no relationship in in many hundreds of millions of years between the we have these proxies for the CO2 and the global temperature that have been obtained from the Arctic ice cores. And those show there's no relationship. If anything, there's a reverse relationship. And there's a a cycle that occurs every 100,000 years called the Milankovitch cycle, which has to do with the Earth's tilt on its axis. And this causes changes in the temperature, not any nonsense about plant growth or lack of plant growth or industrial pollution in the last relatively recent uh, period. Now, one of the misconceptions that everyone seems to have is that observations made in your lifetime have a meaning in geologic time. And it's absolutely ridiculous. And we have people that when they were kids, they went to Europe and the glaciers were heavier, and now they're less heavy. And they claim that this this means that they personally observe global warming. I mean, it's ridiculous. The things happen over tremendously long periods of time. Even in even in uh, you know, for example, the uh, the uh, the droughts in the, in the California now. These these have cycled back and forth, and even 500 or 800 years ago, when the Anastasi, you know, died because of lack of water. At least that's the theory. Um, this was a period that was just as dry as it is today. They didn't have the ability to make clean water out of seawater with nuclear energy, though. It's different uh, now, and we could easily solve our problems. It's not they're they're not uh, unconquerable. So um, more more tells story after story that show that these people are just evil scaremongers. Um, let me just let me get into a couple of those. But go ahead and let's see here. I've got more. Yeah, uh, you mentioned, by the way, you mentioned borderline personality disorder and antisocial personality disorder. I found that um, borderline personality disorder, even though it's very, very difficult, or almost impossible to help them, but they, they are people, basically, in few words, it's people who believe if only you would or the world would, or circumstances would change. They're fine. It's the world has problems. They, and or somebody screwed up. They're totally un, unable to take responsibility uh, for doing anything that would harm them, that would bring them to the situation that they find themselves. But basically, they do have values. They have values. They just are not able to take responsibility for their actions, where uh, my understanding of antisocial personality disorder, they are amoral, which means not immoral, are, are amoral. They create their own morality, their own view of reality, and then they create, uh, that is the, the concept, the, the vision of what the reality should be, and then they worship it as as a Bible, as um, as guidance to how to act in the world. So, um, my question to you, Robert, is: I understand how it's happening um, on a global scale. You, you, in our private conversations, you told me a number of times that they they feel each other. They they meet even as children. They have this uh, intuition 
of recognizing each other and then they plot these uh, schemas. But that's global predators. But uh, there are people with antisocial personality disorder among us who are not trying to change the world and yet are still influencing and, and affecting lives of those around them. So if you don't mind, maybe you can help our listeners to to recognize as they interact with people uh, features that would make them alerted to uh, to someone who who they need to basically avoid because you cannot convert them. Yeah. So let's let's go into that. It's a good question. And I've got an answer for it. But let me just back up one second and just remind the listeners that we're hearing a lot of nonsense about the Arctic ice declining. Well, the Antarctic ice has been increasing since the early 1990s, and it entirely offsets or 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 uh, makes up for any shrinkage in the Arctic ice. So there's no net loss of ice because of global warming. It's nonsense. And in fact, we've had no change in the temperature that's been documented since 1990. <clears throat> but let's talk about borderline personalities and all that stuff. Okay. So I'm not a trained psychologist. I've never been sort of kidnapped into their models. And after reading this stuff for a while, I don't mm -hmm. think that splitting these hairs is useful at all. I think that the best thing to do is understand there is a spectrum of nasty personalities, and 1% of them are across a bright line, and they can never be, never be cured and never be uh, treated and never be reasoned with, and the only thing you can do is completely cut them off. And the rest of them are all variants. There's 5% that seem to get, you know, when they're in the presence of these uh, leaders who are absolutely psychopaths, they, they model their behavior very closely, and then another 15% who are co-opted, and they're weak personalities, and they go along. So, uh, no, I don't think those are useful distinctions. A lot of psychiatric distinctions have been manufactured, as you well know, by drug companies who have bought the physicians who influenced the diagnostic and statistical manual and made up a bunch of stuff in order to make diagnoses that would be fit for treatment with the four or five classes of drugs that cause so much trouble. And, uh, you know, I can, it, my perspective on these drugs is that they're universally bad, that we'd be better off without them, that if they have uses, we can't sort out the uses from all the harms. And things like SSRIs, you know, the yeah. serotonin reuptake inhibitors or whatever they are, the antidepressants, they're an absolute evil because they cause suicide and uh, murder and violence and mass shootings. And they're the cause of all those social problems we're having because these psychiatrists have been hypnotized into believing their own nonsense. And they've, they've sold, a, you know, they've sold 15% of our populace, 20% of our populace into taking these toxic medications and living with the side effects and sometimes experiencing the horrible side effects. So, so I don't, I, I think that you guys, you can, you can benefit from reading my description of sociopaths or psychopaths and realize that I have little respect for psychiatry or psychology. And I think that their, their hair splitting is rarely useful. I think that human connections, such as you've made with your patients, Peter, is tremendously valuable. But to characterize it and to, to dissect out these, these little differences I don't think it's useful. I think it's it's all case by case, except for the broad brushstrokes 
of what a psychopath is and, and the, the, the fact that we have a lot of people who are like that or similar to that or co-opted by them or sometimes the worst of them, the 1% worst. Yeah, our, our friend, Dr. Peter Bregan, wrote extensively uh, on this subject, and that's how I got to know his work 30 years ago, reading his book, Toxic Psychiatry. And then I was fortunate, of course, to meet him once I joined PRN, and that's how I, I came to, to know you. So, um, but I, let's, let's, let's give our listeners um, an overall description of we could of, of course refer them to dsm-5 and they could read the criteria of what antisocial personality disorder is but just in case if people are um, surrounded or in company of some people that they cannot understand what is going on there is confusion in this relationship a person makes them feel guilty but person is manipulative what are what are the major qualities you would say uh, characterize a person with with basically psychopathy or antisocial personality disorder and what would be your recommendation how how do you suggest to interact with them or simply just to avoid them what is your advice and, okay. and so for, before, I think you, what's the criteria yeah, I some concrete okay so this stuff is not robust it's not well described but there is a thing called the psychopath test right? by Robert Hare, H-A-R-E. The references are all, I mean, I've got at least 500 references in this uh, book of mine that I just wrote. Mm -hmm. And um, you can read the popular descriptions of it and listen to these titles. Snakes in Suits, Without Conscience, The Mask of Sanity, and my favorite, Political Ponerology. The guy made up a word. <laughs> this is, that's the biggest one. You know, that has all the depth. But uh, anyway, let me just run over the psychopath test to give you an idea. Right. The yes, most, yes, as I mentioned earlier, the most robust and easiest indication is chronic lying, right? And uh, if, if, they, if you have a feeling that someone lies all the time, uh, they probably are a psychopath or they have psychopathic features, or, you know, and I'm not saying that every one of them has no uh, relationships with other people or no morals or ethics, but they're, they're more into the, quote, spectrum of this sort of problem. But I'll list these things. Glibness, superficial charm, grandiose sense of self-worth, pathological lying, conning and manipulative, lack of remorse or guilt, shallow affect, that means your superficial qualities of your personality, callous, lack of empathy, failure to accept responsibility, need for stimulation, proneness to boredom, parasitic lifestyle. The people who study psychopaths don't think that they contribute anything and that society would collapse if they were the only influence. Poor behavioral controls, promiscuous sexual behavior. You know, obviously Epstein and his associates were pedophiles. Lack of realistic long-term goals, impulsivity, irresponsibility, <clears throat> criminal versatility, many short-term marital relationships. So, so those, that'll give you sort of an idea. They seem normal. They seem banal. They defy a de easy identification even by experts. Um, they seem to recognize each other in a crowd, sometimes in early childhood, and they're conscious of being different. And they sort of have their own rules, but, and they know about truth and decency, but they don't think they apply to them. 
Um, so they cheat and routinely break promises and uh, use fear, lies, and concealment as weapons. They conspire in groups, and that's what I think we're seeing in the world today. I mean, the religious people call them devils or demons. So you see these people like, uh, what's his name, Carl Schwab, and, and those who surround him, and the Prime Minister of Canada, you see them all as, as uh, psychopaths? They're glib, lying psychopaths. And Schwab has a bust of linen on his desk. I mean, what do you think about this? I mean, these guys are, I mean, they're, they're, they're play, Schwab seems to be operating from the novel 1984. I mean, it just seems to be taken. And it's a gaslighting agenda to scare and intimidate and confuse everyone. And we must refuse to get co-opted. We've just, we've all got to stand up because when you pet a rabid dog, you're going to get bit. And these people are already killing our children. And so we have to stand up. We have no choice. Now for the end, I will ask you a tough question. <laughs> what if... There, is, somebody, there are no tough questions if, here, but go ahead. If, yeah, we have only five minutes. But what if somebody finds that their child behaves in the way you just described. In fact, I know somebody who told me about her son acting pretty much the same. And I actually did not go into the whole discussion because it was overwhelming. I, I didn't want her uh, kind of to become depressed. But, but it was clear to me that he, he is either borderline or antisocial personality disorder. So what, what do you do with this? If people, you know, pe parents love their children, what if they recognize features of that, uh, of, of those, uh, that, whatever, I don't want to say, uh, curse. It's really a curse that the people well, are not even aware yeah. that they're cursed, you know? You give, you give your children more leeway than anyone else. But if you have a relative, a spouse, or a child or a parent who you finally decide is not working with you, is absolutely not in your own best interest to have a relationship with them, you have to do what Tina Turner did. You know what her story is. No. She, she had to drop that guy. She concluded that you have to drop relatives if they are evil towards you and you cannot turn them around. But you obviously give children more, more leeway and you try harder than, than you would with anyone else. But you do not believe that it's possible to, with, with loving care, uh, possible to help a person to kind of, first intellectually to understand the, what they're dealing with within, within themselves, and then to guide them to find a new way of functioning. You don't believe that it's possible? Well, I think it's, I think it's almost impossibly difficult if someone is a... They call them, you know, these, these people who study these, these, this, these variants, they call them, quote, genetic psychopaths or genetic sociopaths. Now, there's no evidence that there's any genes involved. Just like the rest of psychiatry, there are no documented genetic influences, even though they talk about uh, schizophrenia and these other diagnoses, like they, they mean something in terms of fixed genetics. And there are plenty of people, I, I interviewed one guy, on my podcast, and he's in my book, who was convinced that um, you could change anyone with with a proper environment, and you could manufacture any of these conditions. 
But Mm -hmm. I just want your listeners to pull back to the point I made earlier, and that is the DSM is essentially ruined, and you should pay no attention to it, because that thing is made to split hairs and prescribe psych drugs. It was, it was not influenced. It was just virtually written by doctors in the pay of the big pharmaceutical companies who were trying to sell drugs. So I don't want anyone to get co-opted by verbiage. I think you have to make case-by-case decisions. And if you've obviously, if you invested 18 years in raising a kid, you're not going to give them up very easily. But I think there's a point of no return after which you have to, you have to think about what's left of your life and what you can do with yourself and, and for other people that isn't that isn't about that kid. And so I think I think you've got to make your own decisions. And and uh, and, you know, you can go to people like Peter who are sympathetic and can give human contact. But ultimately, you're in charge of your actions and you're in charge of your fate yourself. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Robert. And finally, how could people, uh, would you give your website and, and where they could download this book, Cassandra Memo, because we really just touched a little bit on, on the subjects that you cover. What's Peter, the I appreciate that. My best contact is Robert Yoho, R-O-B-E-R-T-Y-O-H-O dot substack dot com. And you can look through the last few posts in the archives, and there are ways to download this book in each one. And there should be ways to download the book on my next few posts if you get on my list. All you have to do is sign up when you go to robertyoho.substack.com. You sign up for the newsletter, and you can always get off by unsubscribing at the bottom of any post if you get sick of me. It's, it's not, my wife says it's not that hard to get sick of me. Um, so you, there's that one, and then there's Robert Yoho author. I know, Judy. <laughs> she does not say that. <laughs> yes, she does. Thank you All very right, much, Peter. Robert. Thank you, it's really. Been a pleasure. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks again, Peter. Uh, um, ladies okay. and gentlemen, our time is coming uh, to an end today. Uh, I want to thank you for being uh, participating today in our meeting. Uh, you're absolutely welcome to send um, emails to me and, and ask any questions regarding this program or um, this show or any other. And I'm looking forward to having your attention next week. Be happy and peace to all who want to live in peace. <laughs>